This is Soul Searching, Gay Essay Radio Show of the Year in 2016. Here we explore all spiritual, psychological, and wellness matters that matter. I'm a therapist, NLP practitioner, and coach of many years' experience, and I understand the challenges life throws at you in this fast-paced modern world. This show always offers you some alternative ideas, new ways of looking at life, and practical solutions that you can use to redesign your life for the better. Personal growth isn't always easy. It requires that you do a bit of real soul-searching by conducting a penetrating self-examination of your motives, convictions, and attitudes. You should regularly challenge your personal beliefs and thoughts to open your mind to fresh ideas and free thinking. I don't mind asking awkward questions on your behalf. I readily poke holes in rigid belief systems and challenge the way the world taught you to think. But I don't expect you to give up your sacred beliefs, and I don't even mind if you disagree with me. Healthy debate is enriching, and I'm glad that you are part of our online community. So express your views on our digital media platforms that I'll share with you at the end of the show. Please remember, if you like the show, share it with others. I'm Tom Budge. This is the second and concluding part of the fascinating topic, faith healing, workings of Holy Spirit or hypnosis. Benny Hinn is a popular Israeli-born tele-evangelist who is now in his mid-60s. He purports to channel the Holy Spirit and uses it in his ministry to heal a variety of ailments. In last week's show, we listened to a fragment of Hen's performance as he set about healing a young gay man. We also heard counter-arguments from the stage hypnotist Darren Brown, who tried to debunk faith healing phenomena by attempting to replicate them. He said they were all fraudulent. These two programs have come about because I accepted an invitation extended to me by the South African Commission for the Promotion and Protection of the Rights of Cultural, Religious and Linguistic Communities, better known as the CRL Commission, to participate in a dialogue of theirs that is trying to understand 1. Does hypnotherapy exist? 2. How is it manifested? 3. Is there a logical explanation between religion and hypnotherapy? 4. Are the incidents or cases reported that we see religious or just mere hypnotism? And 5. Is there any magic in all this? We learned from our previous show that the trance phenomenon is not magical and has been part of the human experience as far back as we can trace it. Some people slip into trance through trauma, as a side effect of drugs, as entry into and out of sleep, and also by suggestion. Trance is an integral part of mystical and religious rituals like Hindu firewalks, shamanic incantations, and certain forms of tribal dancing. Hypnosis, on the other hand, while hard to define, is a state of mind that is quite easy to induce. Let's explore this a little closer. My preferred definition of hypnosis is this single-sentence explanation. Hypnosis is an altered state of mind where conscious criticism is bypassed, leaving the subject more susceptible to suggestion. 
It neatly hints at the core characteristics of hypnotic trance, like fragile consciousness, poor voluntary action, sleep-like states, catalepsy, heightened suggestibility, detachment from surroundings, and extreme dissociation. A few important prerequisites need to be in place before a hypnotist can induce hypnosis in another person. There must be rapport and trust between a hypnotist and the subject. The hypnotist must also get the subject's permission to be hypnotized, commonly referred to in hypnosis jargon as consent. Not in the shallow form of, may I hypnotize you? That's not enough. But as a deep subconscious willingness to be hypnotized. Inducing hypnotic trance is unlikely to occur in the absence of these prerequisites, and this explains why certain people are more hypnotizable than others. What follows the establishment of the prerequisites are acquired skill and practiced delivery. This is referred to as the art of induction. Induction has two parts, indirection and selective thinking. Indirection forces the subject to go inwards in search of meaning and context because no such reference exists in the external world. Just the words, what are you feeling right now, forces your mind to direct inwardly in search of the answer. The word feeling is part of the hypnotist's repertoire of linguistic bridges and language patterns that are commonly referred to as hypnospeak. There are many, many ways to bypass the subject's critical faculty, that part of your conscious mind that tries to guard against hypersuggestibility and manipulation. Having misdirected the subject's attention by inducing stress, overloading the senses, or by creating conscious confusion, the hypnotist offers the subject an inwardly satisfying escape path, typically characterized by the use of the word sleep. Selective thinking comprises a set of suggestions delivered verbally or by gesture that locks a person in trance. We term it selective thinking because it focuses the subject's mind on a very narrow and select band of thought. There are two types of inductions, gradual ones and snap inductions. A snap induction is hypnosis jargon, meaning that it takes only a few seconds to induce hypnotic trance. Darren Brown explains how this works. He selects a subject from the audience, in this case a young IT professional by the name of John, and leads him to the center of the circular stage. John is one of about a hundred attendees at this demonstration. Expectation runs high in the room as Darren extends his hand to introduce himself to John. Let's move on to looking at the idea of a hypnotic trance. What's your name? John. John, have you come, John? Lovely to meet you. What do you do for a living, John? Um, IT. IT. Excellent. Thanks ever so much for coming up. And look at me now. Look at your hand and you just sleep. Back you go. That's good. And you can just let yourself sink right the way down and right the way deep and right the way sound asleep. Let's unpack what's really happened here. Rapport and consent, our two prerequisites for trance induction, were already established. Darren Brown is a popular TV host and stage performer who has an impressive presence on the stage. Brown is authoritative and has hypnotized many hundreds of people. 
There's no reason for John to doubt Darren. John, by agreeing to stand up and walk to the stage, had already given his tacit agreement to be hypnotized by Brown. Darren didn't need to ask John for permission. John was not a random choice, far from it. Darren, like other hypnotists working with a group of people, would have surveyed the room looking for highly suggestible subjects because they would be the ones more likely to comply, which makes for a good show, of course. Having surreptitiously made his choice, Brown singles John out, points at him and invites him onto the stage. This makes John cautiously nervous, knowing what's about to happen next. Full of apprehension and expectation, John reaches out to shake Darren's hand in greeting. The handshake occurs in a normal way, but for one clever exception. Darren doesn't let go of John's hand, but holds onto it in an unexpected way. John, his brain now overloaded, doesn't know how to respond. He's subconsciously flummoxed. This is the moment when Darren steps in, offering John an escape plan. Sleep. John's subconscious mind accepts the suggestion and shuts him down. He collapses to the floor, where he lies motionless. Darren compounds the suggestion by repeating it a few times. John is now in a deep hypnotic trance. So it looks very impressive. It's one of the most dramatic demonstrations of hypnosis to be able to hypnotize somebody like that. It's called a snap induction. What's actually happening there is I'm interrupting a, a, an automatic process for John. Shaking hands is something you don't think about. It's just this automatic process. And to interrupt somebody in the middle of something that's very automatic is very kind of confusing and bewildering for people. It's, it throws you completely. And at that point, you'll become highly suggestible because you want relief from the confusion. So if you induce that confusion by interrupting an automatic process and then give them a specific piece of information like sleep, not everybody, but most people will absolutely kind of embrace that. So what you've just seen might have looked dramatic, but it was achieved through nothing more than ordinary suggestion. Testing people's suggestibility is easy to do. Here's a little demonstration that you can follow right now. Well, not unless you're doing something dangerous that requires your full attention, then please don't do it. Rub the palms of your hands together and feel the warmth this generates. Now keep palms together, dropping your elbows and bringing your hands up comfortably in front of your face as if you were praying. Interlace your fingers so that each hand tightly grasps the other. Unfold your two index fingers to form a tiny steeple. They are the fingers next to your thumbs. Now create a small gap between the fingertips, just wide enough to hold an imaginary pencil. Look deeply into that empty space and ask yourself what it contains. Is it just air or is there energy flowing across the gap? Now, with all your might, try and keep the gap from closing. Try really hard, but you'll notice that the harder you try to prevent close the gap, the easier it gets to close it. The gap just wants to close, because it is easy to close the gap. Yet you have to try much, much harder to defy this urge to close it. And notice the amount of concentration and energy it takes to defy the urge to close it now. Your efforts keep increasing the harder you try. The outcome is different for everyone. You might have been able to keep the gap open between your fingertips, or you might not have. 
I stuffed many hypnotic suggestions into what I said, and I drew heavily on the eight hypnotic rules of the mind, which we discussed in episode 29 of the show. Whether the gap stayed open or closed depends on how suggestible you are. I think we can safely answer one more of the CRL Commission's questions. How is it hypnosis manifested? The conclusion is that hypnotic trance and its induction are nothing more than a tested technique in the skilled hands of a hypnotist. The majority of us are hypnotizable to one degree or another. The only thing that prevents you from going into trance is if you had a creepy feeling about the hypnotist or if you had some deep-seated reservations about being in trance. Let's see if we can answer another one of the questions posed by the CRL Commission. Are the incidents or cases reported that we see religious or just mere hypnotism? None of us can vouch for the workings of the Holy Spirit. That's just unprovable. It takes faith and not proof to hold on to this belief. James Randi is nearly 90 years old. He is a Canadian-American, retired stage magician and a scientific skeptic who spent much of his time challenging paranormal and scientific claims. Peter Popoff, now in his 70s, is a German-born American who is a self-proclaimed prophet, who conducted revival meetings and hosted evangelical programs televised nationally, during which he performed seemingly miraculous cures on the members of his audience. James Randi attended one of these meetings, accompanied by an electronics expert. To his followers, Popoff seemed to have divine powers. As, is it Gould, Alice Gould? He knew their names. Stand up, Alice. As well as the afflictions they'd come to cure. He also knew the personal details of their lives. Hear good news from Charles before everything is over. I'll tell you, he's going to be completely delivered because of your prayers, because of your faith. Here it comes, complete healing in Jesus. Woo! I suspected that Papa's revelations were other than divine. A radio scanner we brought to the hall picked up a decidedly worldly source. Hello, Petey. Can you hear me? If you can't, you're in trouble. Popoff was being prompted by his wife through a wireless earpiece. John? Dearly, Johnson. She'd gotten her information from prayer cards filled out by the faithful before the show began. You want to get rid of this walker, sister? Oh, glory. How long have you been walking on that walk? About three years. Three years. She lives at 1627 10th Street. 1627 10th Street? Is that right? That's right. She has arthritis all over. Burning this arthritis right out of your body. Take a few steps just to make the devil mad. Hallelujah. That's it. After the expert demonstrated that Popoff was receiving information, Popoff declared bankruptcy the following year, but soon resumed his faith healing sessions despite being exposed again a decade or so later. But this is not what the CRL Commission is asking. 
They want to know if there is a connection between these religious phenomena and hypnosis. Let's therefore unpack the Benny Hinn example and look for signs of hypnotic induction and suggestion. Here's the scene again. There is drama in the arena that is packed to capacity. The sound of what's happening on the stage is turned up loudly. There's a full orchestra and choir that provides live background music, the tone of which follows the mood of what's happening. Him dresses only in white and is the only person on the stage that dresses this way. He is easily seen and the color white is the color of perfection. The psychological meaning of white is purity, innocence, wholeness and completion. It's a fitting color for a man of God. Hen masterfully works the crowd as he sends wave upon wave of Holy Spirit out into the audience, as if sowing seeds on fertile ground. Take it! Take it! Take it! Take it! Take that audience! The crowd responds. People fall backwards, creating ripples of falling bodies that propagate into the audience like the ripples of a stone crossing a pond. Stephen, a young gay man, is led onto the stage by one of Hen's helpers, a burly man dressed in a dark suit, looking more like a bodyguard than a helper. The young man is overwrought with grief. Another helper moves in to offer further assistance. Stephen cries openly, his sins revealed before the congregation and God. Hin speaks gently at first, reassuring him that Jesus is present and ready to heal him. Then, with thunderous voice, Hin yells out just one word. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Touch! Touch! as he simultaneously sends a burst of Holy Spirit upon Stephen, as though he was chucking a handful of seed over him. This knocks Stephen off his feet and he falls to the ground motionless. The audience gasp in amazement. Many mumble praises to the Lord. Some hold their hands up high, palms upwards, as if hoping to catch a little of the falling Holy Spirit that they believe rains down upon them. Hen impeccably brings Stephen's healing to a conclusion by dramatically casting the gay demon out of it. Pick him up. That demon of homosexuality will not have this young man. Free! Give the Lord a mighty shout! This is not an isolated demonstration, but is core to Hen's worldwide ministry. It's easy to tease this perfectly executed hypnotic induction apart, revealing the elements that make it so hypnotic. Any stage hypnotist knows that it is easier to hypnotize one person and not so easy to simultaneously hypnotize a room full of them. So the hypnotist begins to work the room herding people's subconscious minds in order to get them to act in unison. If the hypnotist can synchronize an individual's actions with those of the group, then he or she is left working with only one person and not many. 
The room becomes a single person if you get all the people to act as one. Please remember that we can't prove or disprove Hen's channeling of the Holy Spirit. So there is still a possibility that what the audience experiences are the true workings of the Holy Spirit. However, I wish to focus more on the theatrical performance as it is here where we find the clues to the cunning use of hypnosis. Hen masterfully works the room. He soon gets them to behave in unison. He fuels people's expectations. He's loud and in their face. He has a commanding presence and they believe that he is a channel for the Holy Spirit. The audience saw Hen's faith healings many times before and they are programmed to the gestures he uses. They believe that the Holy Spirit flows through his hands to them and Hen capitalizes on this belief, showering the audience with abundant spirit. There are a couple of interesting bits of psychology at play here. One of the rules of the mind described in episode 29 states, what is expected tends to be realized. There is a lot of expectation in Hin's arena. They all want divine healing. Then there is the herd instinct, better described as the instinct or urge to be one of a group and to conform with its standards of conduct and opinion. None of us like being an outlier. We find strength and support by integrating with the people around us. We readily conform to the trends and opinions of the group to be liked and accepted there. If 50 previous people fell down when Hen dramatically cast Holy Spirit from his hands, then the next subject is A, expecting to fall down and will do so because of the rule of the mind, and B, will conform to the behavior of the group because that's what the herd instinct does to one. Hen rests assuredly knowing that very few people would challenge his suggestions. The electrifyingly loud and in-your-face ambience helps overload the senses and when the critical faculty is bypassed, trance is easily induced. Before any healing occurs, Hen would no doubt have suggested that people who wanted healing gather in the large space between the stage and the front row seats. Again, the profound expectation in the subject's minds cannot be ignored. They are there in the front of the arena not to prove Hin wrong, but to get God's blessing. These are willing subjects, primed and ready to go into trance at the slightest suggestion. As Hin waves his hand at them, he instantly induces trance with suggestions like take and feed. What else are you expected to do other than fall down with everyone else? The young man wasn't a random choice. He was handpicked by one of the helpers. The careful screening easily bypasses those who might want to test him. Just like John, the subject in Darren Brown's snap induction demonstration, Stephen, the gay man, has his senses overloaded. It only takes a commanding delivery of the word touch to convince the guy that he has indeed been touched by the Holy Spirit. As expected, he falls to the ground. Hin offers his confused mind an exit, a dramatic one, we know, by expelling the homosexual demon within him. Is the young man sustainably cured of his homosexuality? Or isn't he? We might never know. What do you believe? 
Is faith healing an elaborate scam using hypnosis? Or is it genuinely the workings of the Holy Spirit? Thank you for listening to Soul Searching here on Gay SA Radio. Your comments and suggestions help shape the show, and I'm always happy to receive them. Write to me at studio at gayessayradio.co.za or post on the station's social media platforms using the hashtag GaySARadio. My Twitter handle is at TWEBudge. This program premieres on Sundays at 5 p.m. and repeats the following Sunday at 8.30 a.m. A full set of podcasts in the series is available on the station's website, gaysaradio.co.za. Stay right here on Gay SA Radio for all your favorite music, discussions, lifestyle facts, and the latest news. My name is Tom Budge. Until next time, goodbye.